Welcome to RPH Podcast, where conscious conversations live. Hey everyone, um, I wanted to kind of go over some stuff that I've been really mulling over. Uh, if you don't know, I live in Ohio, um, specifically in Columbus, which is one of the states that is, um, according to everything that I've been hearing and reading, uh, affected by um, COVID-19 cases. So I thought that I would take a moment after, you know, gathering kind of my perspective on the situation and share it with everybody. Uh, so if you're not from Ohio, not from Columbus, don't know what's going on in the state, um, kind of give you a little rundown of what's happened. Uh, so even though we weren't one of the first states with a case, um, we, I think our first case started in Cleveland, um, but even like New York, um, LA, like these bigger cities, you think that they would have been some like the first ones to really take action and do something, um, but surprisingly it was us. Um, it actually started in the private sector. Uh, so first, like, um, I think the, the very, very first person to do anything was OSU, um, so it's the Ohio State University, um, and they first extended their spring break for another week, um, and then they moved everything to, um, like, remote learning, so online learning. Um, and then once they did that, like, immediately after um, CCAD, which is Columbus College of Art and Design, which is actually where I go, um, I'm getting my uh, BFA currently, so... They followed suit and they did that. And uh, once we're done with spring break here, we'll do online stuff, which is interesting. I don't know how we're going to necessarily do that being in an art school, but uh, we'll figure it out. Um, So once that happened, um, the governor of Ohio kind of got on board and he ended up closing all K through 12 schools. Um, So their last day was Friday, um, this past Friday. Uh, So... People like my sister's got two kids. Um, she's kind of like, I don't know what to do um, because most of you know people uh, count on their kids being at school for you know that duration while they're at work, and then trying to find someone to watch their kids is, you know, might be problematic for a lot of people. Um, but so once that happened, so that was just this past Friday, um, and then. And Monday to think it was that same day. Um, I'd have to go back and check. But he, the governor, um, put in an ordinance to prohibit gatherings of 100 or more people. So a lot of events had to close. Um, I had an art event coming up um, that I was in that we ended up having to cancel that. Um, I know that, like, weddings and funerals and those sorts of things still took place um, you know, because in those situations, what else are you really going to do? Um, but so that happened. And then on Sunday, which was yesterday, yeah, um, the governor put out another ordinance that as of 9 p.m. last night, all restaurants and bars were going to close. Um, and they were allowing restaurants and, um, you know, some bars that have kitchens, like if they have a carry out option that they, people could still do that. Like you could go, you could order the food or go to pick up the food, um, and then bring it back. You just couldn't actually like stay in the restaurant. So, um, like coffee shops are still open. You can go and get coffee. Um, you just, you can't stay and you can't hang out there. So that's kind of what's happened so far in Ohio, um, and everyone is freaking out. They're like, you you cannot find a store parking lot that's not full at this point. Um, so people are being very reactive. Um, 
you know, thinking that they're not going to have access to any food or to any resources um, at some point or something. I, I don't really know what is going through people's minds. Everyone that I talk to is pretty chill about it, um, you know, in terms of how they feel about it, uh, you know, what their perspectives are. I mean, no one that I've talked to personally has been like really concerned with the fact that, you know, getting food or anything like that. Um, and people are hoarding, um, the oddest things they're hoarding like toilet paper, which doesn't really make sense. Um, and you know, I think, I think that's one of those things that people think is a necessity and then it, because for me, let's put it this way. You're, if you're, quarantined in your house you're in your house so you have access to a shower to water um you know to all these resources which i you know so so you have ways to keep your hygiene (laughs) um rather than hoarding toilet paper and then uh you know other people don't have access to that because you've taken it all um and there's people with you know, those big packages of toilet paper, they'll have two, three of those on a cart. It's like, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, But I get it. People are reacting. They're reactive. They're doing this out of fear. Um, And I don't watch the news. I I don't even have television. So I don't know what people are getting in terms of information from like CNN and Fox and ABC and all these other um, corporations, what they're saying. But uh, so, so that's what's going on in Ohio right now. Um, I don't know anyone or have heard of anyone personally that's been affected, uh, like actually getting sick with the virus. According to um, the state's website, we've got like three cases so far in Columbus. But, you know, without any other information in terms of like uh, where these people have been, like who they've interacted with and things like that. It's kind of hard to know. Um, but so I, I want to kind of also go over. So I've been doing a lot of research, uh, trying to get my information straight, uh, which can be very difficult because there's so much misinformation running around, um, especially on the internet right now. Um, and so it's, it's really hard to differentiate between um, kind of what's true and what we believe right now and what's just um, propagated out there. But uh, so there is some information that I've watched that came from a, oh, what did he call himself? He's like an independent um, disease investigator and he works like in conjunction with CDC and the World Health Organization. Um, And so he provided some insight. Um, There's been some other independent sources that have kind of been looking at. And so essentially um, sticking with just the information that we're we're getting on that front, um, I'm, I'm a huge conspiracy theorist, so I would throw that information in there. But putting that aside and sticking with like just what we know for sure, um, that we're being told is true anyway. Uh, so the virus originated from the wet market in Wuhan and jumped from either like a bat or, uh, I don't know, whatever else they're eating over there, um, in the market. So it jumped from that to, um, a human, or maybe it was even a couple of people, um, you know, if multiple bats were infected and it jumped, um, and the, they're calling this the coronavirus. And the coronavirus isn't something new. This is, uh, so your flus are a specific strain of coronavirus. Um, some colds, I think. Uh, you know, there's, I mean, they're all viruses. So there's a lot of viruses that, um, our coronavirus. What it is, is that um, this is a, p- a particular strand of coronavirus that we've um, never had to deal with yet because it's, it's new to us because it just jumped from um, an animal is what they're saying. So it's, it's similar to like, 
if anyone remembers the outbreaks of swine flu and bird flu. Um, so it's, it's dangerous to us because we've never dealt with it. We don't know how it mutates. Um, and people are kind of freaking out because uh, I, I think that that's one of those things that's innate in us is that we, we fear the things that we don't know. And I, I think in survival, um, that's gotten us a long way. You know, if, if, uh, if you're unsure about a situation, um, you know, if you come across like an animal in the wild and you're not sure, like, like there's that instinctual fear that's in us that, that does help with our survival. But on the other hand, um, we also have to act with rational minds about all of this too. And so the, the other thing that the um, disease investigator was talking about, um, he says that this coronavirus isn't new, it's just a new strand, um, that their main concern, um, their main concern, they, I think they, re they really have two main concerns, is one, that they don't really know how the virus is um, going to act. Um, they know a little bit from what's happened in China, um, but otherwise, in terms of how it mutates, um, they're not really sure because we haven't, you know, we haven't seen it long enough. Um, and their other biggest concern is that the way that this particular virus is acting is that um, your, your elderly and your already immunocompromised individuals are the ones that are highest risk, which is kind of how it is normally with the flu strands that we already um, know of and have seen. Uh, particularly with people with respiratory issues, because this is the weirdest thing. For the, for the first couple of weeks, um, when everything was going on in China before it happened here, uh, you know, I, I was talking to a friend. I'm like, so what, what is, like, because the flu, there's so many different strains of flu, so there's so many different symptoms. Someone's like, oh, well, you start exhibiting flu symptoms, and so you just think it's a flu, but then it ends up being this other new virus, um, strain of the virus. And uh, I'm like, well, that doesn't make, that, that's not really clear at all. That doesn't help because there's, you know, the stomach flu, um, so where you're like more like vomiting and having diarrhea, but then they're like, oh, well, no, it's like a respiratory flu. And it's like, oh, okay, so it kind of acts more like if you have a cold where you're, you know, coughing, sneezing, um, you know, where it kind of feels like it's sitting in your chest. I'm like, okay, well, at least that's a little bit more clear because we weren't really getting information on that either. Um, so the so it makes sense you know people with uh like particularly respiratory issues already um people that smoke uh, and that's the biggest thing that in china most of the people that were in critical condition um were like their younger women because i guess it's uh like they smoke a lot um which i i didn't know any of this but that's what they were saying in terms of who was affected there the most uh, so here, obviously, we have um, within our culture, within our society, um, a lot of obesity, a lot of things like, um, you know, type 2 diabetes, uh, people that smoke and don't really take care of themselves. So in terms of it coming to the country, you know, that's what people freak out about is uh, as a whole, we're so unhealthy that um, the impact that it's going to make um, is... Uh, they're, they're worried that we're not going to be able to have not necessarily the resources like yes that's a problem but the capacity um, with all of that you know overwhelming um, hospitals and stuff like that for people that are in critical condition um, so they're they're trying to contain it but the there's been scientists that have also said like just with any other flu um, you know, colds, like everyone's going to have their due with it um, eventually. I don't, I mean, that sounds, I, I'm not a scientist, obviously. So that sounds, you know, right to me in terms of what I've seen, uh, you know, in the past with, you know, just eventually everyone ends up getting the flu. Um, you know, you come across it, you, everyone ends up getting colds and that sort of thing. So, I mean, in my mind, it, it does make sense that, you know, the, sci the scientists would say, you know, everyone's eventually going to have their due with it. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to lessen that um, uh, um, 
initial peak impact on like hospitals um, so they don't get overwhelmed. Um, so there's that, but then there's also the side of like, well, it feels also like you're just kind of prolonging things. Um, you know, for the people that are healthy and are younger, they say it's just going to feel like a really bad cold and then you'll be fine. Um, so that's kind of like this, the back and forth of the information that I've been able to gather and I've, I've heard. Um, I try to stick with independent sources for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, so I want to go through kind of the, uh, what, what are root causes versus symptoms? Um, and I'm, I'm talking as a whole because disease is still a symptom. And people are like, you know, you might initially hear that and be like, uh, that's not true. Um, but let me explain. So what we consider symptoms and root causes, I think, uh, we only see things on one plane and that's usually like the physical plane and with traditional, um, not traditional, but, uh, with our Western medicine and, you know, we, that's very inherent in that. And I think in traditional and Eastern medicine, it's a little bit more like they're looking at things in a systems approach, um, holistically on, um, multiple levels, uh, you know, and your, not only your physical, but your, your mental, your emotional, your spiritual bodies. Um, so, Disease, um, like these flus and these viruses, are are symptoms of a much larger issue and a much larger um, root cause. And I think the biggest root cause, you know, is the fact that we're living in opposition to the the natural flow of um, nature and these cycles that happen. Um, you know, I don't think that we're meant to live in the capacity that we're living, uh, you know, living on top of each other in cities that have millions of people in such a small radius. And it's, it's just overwhelming to the natural flow of the planet. And so we're, we're in this like disharmony uh, with nature. And I think that that's one of the hugest excuse me, one of the hugest um, root causes out there. But when that happens, we have throughout generations um, upon generations had more and more of a disassociation from our spirit and from path that it's caused, um, you know, the spiritual disconnect. And with that, along comes the uh they, they they call it in like uh shamanism like soul loss i don't know if you've ever heard of that term being used uh but but it's due to trauma and dissociation and the trauma that i'm talking about is like ancient old trauma that's happened um things that are you know it's trauma that's been embedded within us for hundreds of years that I don't know exactly really how you start to identify that. I think that, you know, these ancient practices and shamanism kind of have a better idea of how they handle those things um, and what that might be. But I think that that's, you know, we, we, we dissociate, we start living in opposition to the natural flow of things and, we end up getting this uh, like spiritual disconnect, so we're 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 not even in tune with ourselves, with our souls, with our spirits. We're not inhabiting that space within us. Um, so right there is going to cause all sorts of havoc um, on our indiv- you know individual bodies, but then as a collective. Because if you think of yourself, you're just a community. You're you're a community of cells. Um, smaller community, uh, you know, but we, we are certainly that, um, on a fractal level. And so as a whole, um, in the world, we're just, you know, on that larger scale, a community of, you know, the individual cells, but then a community of people. And, um, 
when that community isn't um, the the integrity of those connections and the integration is not sound, then we're having problems. And I think that that's something that's been building and building and building. And, you know, we've seen, you know, what people want to refer to as plagues or pandemics and things like that in the past. And most of those, you know, when you look at them and you research them, they come about from living so close together. You're living on top of each other, essentially. Um, and you're living, you know, with animals. Uh, I'm not talking about like, you know, just having like pets or something, but you're, you're living in close quarters with a lot of animals that um, animals aren't supposed to live that way either. They're not meant to live in captivity. They're meant to, you know, be free roaming. Um, and so the animals end up contracting diseases because they're living, we're forcing them to live in these ways that we're living, um, which is all grouped together. So, um, and we also, uh, another like shamanistic approach to root cause, um, being the loss of power due to not having our connection with our spirit animal. Um, you know, they say that every person is born with a spirit animal. So from the start, you're spiritually protected and that that is a relationship that is supposed to be nurtured and cared for and that if it's not then your spirit animal leaves you out of um, not getting that attention that it needs um and that uh we've we've lost all of that we've lost that um connection personal connection with spirit we've lost that spirit animal and hopefully out of all of this we're, we're going to have a major shift in awakenings and people taking a different approach to how they live but um we'll see um yeah and the other thing that people have been talking about a lot is uh vaccines 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 um and they, they're like, oh, well, we didn't have a vaccine for this. And um, if we would, if we would have had a vaccine for um, this virus and, you know, our top priority is making one. And, and uh, it's still, it's, it still doesn't solve the root problem. Um, you know, vaccines are still just covering up the symptom um, of the disease, you know, we're, instead of changing how we live, how we operate, um, and, uh, reharmonizing with the planet, we don't want to change what we're doing. We just want to mask the symptoms, um, which is the diseases. And we just want to cover up and figure out ways, uh, to, you know, not have to deal with the impact of those. So it's kind of similar to what happens when you have um, so heavy, um, such heavy usage with antibiotics that you end up getting these superbugs, these antibiotic resistant bacteria. And so I, you know, this is just my personal belief is that that's what's happening. Like these, you know, if Mother Earth is creating this disease because that's her only line of defense to humans, humans only predator ends up being bacteria and virus. So if that's the only way that you can kind of attempt to reharmonize and balance things that are going on in the earth, um, then sorry, I just lost my train of thought. That happens. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So um, you're, you're just fighting against that. And so that's her only line of defense. And what we're doing is we're trying to create like these vaccines. So if you keep it's like taking antibiotics every time. If you keep doing that, then these viruses and these bugs just keep mutating and mutating and end up becoming resistant to the things that we have. Um, instead of fixing the root problem, you, you just keep covering up symptoms. And that's the same thing your body does. Um, when you're having a symptom, so you're having headaches, um, headaches are a symptom, right? And you're having them. So you just keep taking, you know, whether it be NSAIDs or any other headache medicine, 
what your body is going to do if you're not listening to those symptoms that it's trying to give you, um, it's just going to keep increasing that signal. So if it feels it's not being heard on this level, it's going to bump the level up and keep bumping it up until you listen to it. So those NSAIDs, um, the, the medication that you're taking for the headache, um, slowly starts to become obsolete and you need stronger and stronger and stronger doses to even keep the headaches at bay. Because all you're trying to do is mask the symptom rather than listening to your body, um, really tuning in and allowing those symptoms to lead you to what these, um, through like the network, of systems through your body into what the causes of these symptoms are. And there could be multiple causes um, ruling one symptom. There could be one cause ruling multiple symptoms, um, could be a myriad of those things. And so I feel like, um, in my personal opinion, that's, that's what vaccines are doing. Instead of um, you know, fixing these problems, we're just trying to mask these symptoms. And people keep saying like it's every two years we see these new strains and you know people get sick again you have the flu again and um i i think that that's going to be a non-stop cycle um that's going to be a battle that we uh I, I don't foresee us winning um and until we fix we fix the root cause so the other part of that too is that so the independent um disease investigator that I was listening to his discussion about this is that, uh, so they were asking him, so, you know, what about this good hygiene and hand washing? Because that's what people always say. You know, the CDC promotes that. They say, you know, make sure you wash your hands. And the guy essentially said that, you know, that, that does nothing. He said, we tell people that because then in your mind, um, you think you're doing something to help. And so that eases like that stress and anxiety level. So I get that. It's kind of like the placebo effect. Um, but on that other flip side of that is that what you're doing when you're continuously, um, it's, it's like this like puritanical ideology, almost this, this like misunderstanding of what like pure and clean and what hygiene is. Um, so by like constantly washing, you know, obviously there's good hygiene in terms of like always washing your hands before, um, you know, doing certain things like cooking or uh, like messing with your eyes or if you're like making products and things like that, I 100%, you know, do that. Um, but people like washing your hands, even though you haven't done anything, um, I, I know people that do that and... Uh, you kind of just want to take them and shake them a little bit and be like, what, what are you doing? You're, you're removing all the healthy bacteria that's on your skin, um, which is what's there to create that barrier um, w against the bad bacteria. And here's the, the flip side of that is that so viruses and the bad bacteria are resistant to a lot of these um, like antimicrobial soaps um, and these disinfectants. So when you're using those, even though, um, you know, you think that you're cleaning, what you're doing is you're actually killing all the good bacteria because good bacteria is a lot more sensitive. Um, so you're killing all that good bacteria. And what you're doing is you're just allowing a surface like your hands, you're, you're just allowing a surface for like a Petri dish of, um, you know, the virus, viruses, bad bacteria to grow more because uh, you don't have that natural barrier then again. So it's like, it's like bathing too frequently. You're, you're stripping your skin of the natural oils that are on it. Um, so people end up with, uh, you know, patches of dry skin, um, like itchy, and you end up, um, your, your skin will start to like overproduce oils, which is where a lot of people come um, into having like too much acne and they think, oh, well, it's because my face is oily. And it's like, no, actually the only problem, um, that I've been able to like, that I've come across, um, with myself and with other people talking to them is that the, the root problem actually, whether you're dry or you're oily is the fact that you're dry or you've got dry skin, your skin is overproducing oil, um, because you keep stripping it. Uh, so you know, not washing your your face 
all the time because you want to keep some of that natural oil on. And if you feel like you need to do that, because um, I, I get it, it's um, it's one of those like mental things that you feel more clean when you do that. I, I'm like, I love you know taking showers, so I, I just I like um, that process and that ritual of you know showers and bathing. Um, so I just use better um, products and material that don't strip away. They actually, it's it's like a conditioning um, wash where it's it'll help um, with natural things like uh, pineapple and aloe and things like that that help to naturally exfoliate and clean the skin without stripping it of the good oils and good bacteria that's on the face and on your skin. Um, so I, I thought that was really interesting because I've thought that the guy would have said, you know, um, yeah, of course, of course, keep washing your hands. It helps and stuff. But I, um, you know, that's one of those things with having an independent um, researching and um, listening to these independent people is that they're not really tied, um, supposedly, you know, tied to any particular um, loyalties to corporations. So he's like, no, we just tell people about the hand washing um, because it makes them feel like they're doing something. So obviously do practice good hygiene, um, you know, coughing and sneezing and keeping that, uh, you know, using your elbow when you do that, um, to, to try to help prevent the spread of things. But, um, yeah, don't, don't overdo, you know, and especially when you're like cleaning your house, I would certainly advise against using those like antibacterial and disinfectants and using things more like um, like white vinegar and like tea tree and um, lemongrass is really good too and it smells so good in your house. Um, so like making your own products, uh, your own cleaning products is um, really great because uh, that, you know, things like um, tea tree, you know, the melaleuca, they... They really help to, um, you know, act as a disinfectant without killing, you know, the good, the good bacteria. So, um, let's see what else I wanted to kind of talk about. Uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. So, um, so along with the terms of living in disharmony with um, the planet, uh, with Earth, it's... <laughs> I really hope that we see more of an awakening to, um, you know, vegetarianism or I don't know where we got on to calling it a plant-based diet, um, but, you know, more of plant-based, excuse me, plant-based diets. Uh, and I have many, many reasons as to why for this, um, and every person's reason as to why you know it's individualized to them um but i want to give you kind of like this uh general rational reason as to why um without putting too much emotion behind it uh so the the old saying you are what you eat is entirely true um so your body uh, I'm going to pull these up so I don't get these wrong, um, the numbers. So your body has a natural um, frequency, a natural vibration to it. Um, a healthy human body will uh, vibrate at about 62 to 78 megahertz. Okay, so oh, if you're healthy, most people vibrate within there. The um, Diseases such as colds and flus um, start around 57 to 60 megahertz. So that's not very far off. That's uh, so you've got 60. What did I say? 62 um, for like the low end of a healthy, vibrating, normal, you know, human body, to 60, which is where colds and flus start. So, uh, have you ever? So have you ever, uh, and like I've experienced this myself too, you're, you're healthy, you're fine, you're doing everything you need to do, you haven't been around sick people, um, but then you have like one day or a span of days where you just get super stressed and you can feel your rundown, um, you know, you haven't been doing that self-care you need to, and bam, you get sick. Um, and that's because... You could have either come into contact with, you know, that 
um, virus or that bacteria during that time of when you were a lower vibration or you were even asymptomatic. You know, our bodies can naturally handle things that it gets, um, you know, I, you know, multiple times past years, you know, getting in a cold and all you do is a little sniffly nose and maybe some sneezing and stuff and then you're fine. Um, but I can definitely tell on the times when I'm sick and I've been run down and I haven't been taking care of myself because it hits me way harder. Um, so you can even have um, something brewing. You know, your body can be doing all well and good fighting a virus or fighting a bacteria and you, you know, for the most part be asymptomatic, but then you have that um, event or that experience, those couple of days of stress of it, um, you know, whether it's just your job getting you down, whether you're not eating right those couple of days, whether you've, you know, skipped a couple of your routine or meditation exercises and your vibration, your uh, frequency ends up dropping, um, it drops below into that 57, 60 um, megahertz range, which then allows that um, infection, that bacteria, that virus to then have an environment where it can then become rampant. So it's kind of like how they say, um, you know, cancer can't survive in an alkaline environment. And that's because the, that vibration rate is so high, it can't survive in that environment. Because um, that cancer is such a low vibra um, vibratory signature. And the same thing with this. If you keep your vibration high, um, then you're going to be less susceptible to um, being sick and illnesses. And when you do get sick, um, it's usually a lot easier to get over them. Um, they're not as bad, they're not as intense. Um, and so with that mirroring the foods that you're taking in, and this is where my, you know, my just objective, rational um, explanation for why I um, personally am vegetarian, but why, you know, I if people are curious about it, I talk to them and this is, you know, some of the reasons that I give them as to why, if they're contemplating it, they should. Um, so fresh foods and fresh herbs um, vibrate around 20 to 27 hertz. Um, your dry foods are about 15 to 22. Um, same thing for dry herbs. Your process and your canned foods are zero hertz. They have, they're, they're like dead. They've their energy signature is so low, it's just, it's not even there. Um, so you want to be really um, cautious about what you're putting in your body uh, because um, meat is just dead flesh. It's dead animal flesh. And that, um, it's, you are what you eat. So if you're eating dead things, you're eating death, like that's what's, that frequency is what's radiating in your body and it's going to lower your vibratory frequency. Um, <clears throat> there's been studies uh, that have been done that um, meat uh, will like attract negative energy. And so they had this um, kind of neutral environment where they've measured the uh, frequency of the um, uh, environment kind of how they do the aura test that showed it was like orange and bright and then they sat this trait uh tray of meat into the environment and immediately it significantly decreased and that you could see this sort of like black negative space where the meat was um, and so the whole environment the whole room kind of just lowering in its vibration and that's the same thing it does inside your body so it does bring down um, the vibratory rate of um, the body, but then it's, it's also going to bring down that um, rate of the spirit as well when you do things prolonged. So, yeah, meat is zero megahertz, and um, even animal discharge is zero megahertz because um, it's just not things that are uh, living. Um, so like milk, cheese, butter, um, all those dairy things um, should, you know, steer away from those as well. And uh, I thought it was really interesting because when I was doing some research, because I, I wanted to find scientific studies to back up, um, you know, my thoughts on this. And I was Googling things. And though I don't use Wikipedia for obvious reasons, um, I like to be able to fact check, um, look at peer reviewed studies. So even though I'm 
um, it's, it's where spirituality and science meets that I find is uh, the most helpful. Um, I don't think science is something that you should like, you know, throw it all out, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think there is some purpose to it and something that we can learn. Um, we just, we haven't quite figured out how to do that yet. So um, some of the studies, you know, about the, um, where they did the environment with the tray of meat, um, you know, they, they do these, you know, spiritual scientific studies. Uh, but uh, when I was looking for all of that, I came across, um, even though I don't use Wikipedia, um, I came across, <laughs> you know, where it has on Google, like the link, and then it gives you like a brief description. The first thing that uh, Wikipedia said is meat is animal flesh that is eaten as food. And I just sat there and stared at this. It was like, this, are, <laughs> this is like what they're providing as the definition of meat um, is that it's not food, that it's eaten in place of food. So meat is animal flesh that's eaten as food. Like, and I know that people would say, oh, well, you're, you know, that's arguing semantics of how you're reading something. Um, and I get that. That could just be the way that I was reading it. But that so struck me, like reading it that way is like, it's eaten in the, like, it's eaten as food. It's not food. It's eaten as food, like in the place of food. Um, so I thought that that was interesting. So, um, and meat also increases like the body's acidity. You know, there's tons of foods that will do that. You know, obviously, uh, you know, coffees are really bitter, which I love coffee. So that's one of those things for me that I have to really make sure that I'm doing what I can to, um, support the natural pH balance. If I do drink, um, coffee that day so meat does that um but there's this uh quote that i love um talking about the um vibratory signatures of like the body and food this is according to dr valerie hunt each toxic substance distorts the negative equilibrium that exists in the cellular level. So she's talking about um, negative and positive, like the poles, a natural um, poles and the natural um, uh, magnetism that's in our body. Uh, she says toxins depolarize the cell, which then becomes south polarized and ends up losing its ability to attract magnetic energy. This can lead to physical, psychological, emotional, and spiritual diseases. So if you think about um, these things with lower vibrational signatures or things that are, you know, vibrate, you know, how we measure at zero, um, you're disrupting your equilibrium. And just like the earth has a, a magnetic field around it, each individual person has that too. Um, you know, you can call that, if you look at it like your aura, um, your, your space, your personal space, I would say. Um, so when you affect that, you, you're going to attract what you're, what level you're vibrating on. So if you're vibrating super low, those are those things you're going to attract. If you can keep your vibration high, um, for my regimen, um, I, I've tried uh, many, many different routines. And so I'm still for my own self figuring out what's my routine, what things do I like? And, um, I, I like the idea of a routine, but I think the way that we understand what routine is, um, I think needs to shift a little bit because I think a lot of people say, oh, you need a routine and it has to be the same thing that you do every day. And I don't necessarily believe that's true. I believe that, for me anyway, routine has been mindfully, you know, consciously creating a space um, for self-care and for myself. And then what each day is comprised of, of what I feel I need that day um, for self-care changes. So some days it's a run, it's yoga, it's meditation. Other days, it's just um, laying there in silence, um, you know, and just focusing on my breathing. Um, other days, I do more, I take that time and I do sound healing, um, you know, singing bowls or whether I'm putting on 
um, something that's frequency healing, you know, like 528, things like that, and just uh, letting myself, um, my mind kind of wonder while I am immersed in that. So each day, I kind of allow my body to tell me, you know, what it needs, and you know, that's, that's my routine. My routine is dedication to self-care and, and providing, um, that space for it rather than having to stick to like a regimented, you know, this is the, um, specific thing that I'm going to do each day. You know, I, I, what I need changes each day. So the, uh, other thing that kind of last thing that I wanted to go through and this is just something personal to me that I've thought about. And I was thinking about this over the weekend of how I would manage this because I feel um, really called to do this. So, uh, you know, obviously as herbalists, um, if you go through any sort of um, herbal training, you, just like a doctor, you take um, a Hippocratic Oath, uh, which means that you're putting, you know, the patient's, well-being above any sort of financial gain. Um, and I, th- I think especially in these times, that's really important because uh, as more and more places get affected by this, or if it doesn't, um, but certainly the people um, in Ohio right now and in Columbus where I live are being affected by this. Uh, you know, they're what especially if you're restaurant workers or work at a bar you know if that's how you uh your livelihood if that's your financial security um you're uh you're sitting at home right now and that could be detrimental for people that live paycheck to paycheck so uh, what what i have felt to do in this time is that i'm creating um kind of like care packages for people that uh are either sick or they've been, you know, exposed to people, you know, they're like, oh, I knew this person who ends up getting the virus and I was around them. And so they're at risk because they, you know, were exposed to that person potentially during the incubation period. So um, I'm putting together, you know, little like um, self-care kits and little like um, herbal medicine kits. Uh, I will eventually, you know, post a a list of like what I'm putting in that, but for sure I'm doing things like, you know, the elderberry elix, um, syrups, sorry, um, echinacea extracts, um, which I'm doing more of that right now too. And, um, tea blends for respiratory health, um, and colds and flus in general. So, and my thought is, so if any of friends, family, acquaintances, like, you know, friends of friends, people that I know, if they're sick and if they want this um, or they're at higher risk, they think they may have been exposed to that, um, delivering these care packages onto their porch. um, And then, you know, they can retrieve them once I've left. But that's something that they can at least start to take that will help um, alleviate some of those symptoms and help to... uh, give their body that little bit of boost that it needs to help fight it, um, you know, quicker and better and get them back on the track to health um, so that they can help other people. So if you feel called to do that same thing, um, that's wonderful. If not, that's okay too. So I know everyone's kind of taking this in stride and doing what they're doing. So I don't, um, I do have my elderberry syrups uh, online on my website to buy. Um, I, and I've contemplated this, um, too. I I think I, I might take those down, um, and utilize them for the people here if they, if it comes to that scale. Uh, and I, I'm trying, because, because it feels, for me anyway, it feels wrong to try to, uh, create all this stuff and then, like, make people pay for it. Like, because I feel like I'm just profiting off of, um, you know, potential pandemic of what's going on, you know, people are freaking out right now, so I don't feel that that's really my place, um, to do that, so instead, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my time, I'm giving my resources, and what I have, um, people can have, what's mine is theirs, you know, we're all in this together, so whether it's gonna be as bad as they think it is, 
whether we're going to be on a f more countrywide lockdown like they're doing in Italy, um, who knows? Um, that's Things have been kind of progressing quickly for us in Ohio. So I know that other states are kind of following suit a little bit more. I think California is kind of getting on board with the school sector of it anyway. I think I could be wrong about that. I haven't, um, I'd have to look that up. That is something that I heard through the grapevine. So take that as you will. But so yeah, because um, obviously if you get sick, you're not necessarily going to go to the store uh, to get things, you know, like people normally would if you, you know, uh, different extracts and herbs and things to help you. Um, so in preparation for that, if people need that, um, if you're in the Columbus area, um, you know, certainly uh, email me, we can figure it out. Um, but that was my thought of, you know, you can leave it on the porch and then once I've obviously left or safe distance, you can come out, you can get it and uh, go back inside. So um, if anyone is experiencing any sort of emotional, mental issue uh, through all of this, you know, if the anxiety, if the stress, the chaos is getting to you, I totally understand. If you need someone to talk to, um, I'm here for that and can provide, you know, a comforting um, kind of soundboard and, you know, lend an ear to that. Um, like I said, we're all in this together. So um, stay well. Uh, be mindful of your diet because keep in mind diet is more than what you eat. Diet is really what you allow in. So that's the programming you watch, the music you listen to, the environment you allow yourself to be immersed in, the people you allow in your um, kind of around in your energy field. So be mindful of your diet, especially right now. Surround yourself with high vibrational things, positivity. Um, being informed does not mean being obsessed. You know, there's preparation and then there's reactive, um, psych psychopathic, you know, just hoarding tendencies and these things that people are doing. Um, so please don't go to those extents. Uh, you know, we, if you need something, it will be provided to you. Um, I'm certain that we as a human race and as a country are going to come together um, and help everyone out on this. So uh, yeah, stay positive out there.